Welcome to the Cashless Cowboy, where we cover all things radio and Western lifestyle, based here in Australia. But don't worry, we got some overseas guests coming in too. Let's get into it. Has your old straw hat seen better days? Has that felt that you're wearing lost its shape? Don't stress, the Cashless Cowboy and Make and Eight Rodeo Company have teamed up to offer you a hot cowboy deal. Make and Eight Rodeo Company is an Australian retailer for the renowned American Hat Company. Owner Jack Miller is a fully certified American Hat Shaper, recognised by the American Hat Company base in Bowie, Texas. He can reshape, clean or fully customise your American hat. Do you want a custom hat band? Or maybe a unique brim trim? No matter what end of the arena that you hustle from, Make and Eight has you covered. Buy a cowboy for all cowboys. Jack has teamed up with the Cowshers Cowboy to offer listeners a cracking deal to keep you looking fresh this rodeo season. Swing Make and Eight Rodeo Company a message on Facebook or Instagram and mention the code THE Cowshers Cowboy for your 15% discount when you purchase your brand new American Hat Company hat. And don't forget to tell them the Cowshers Cowboy sent G'day guys, here we are, episode number 11 of the Cashless Cowboy. Episode number 10 was Mr. Greg Lees, and I hope he's got a lot out of that episode. But here we are, episode number 11, with his lovely wife, Philippa Lees. Philip is just as positive person as what, what Slip is. Uh, well, they're a married couple, so everything that she's got out of her positive attitude has pretty well come from Slip. So it's really good to see the other side of the whole picture. And we mainly focus on her breakaway and a little bit of the team roping and stuff like that. But we still dabble into a lot of the positive attitude that her and her partner have really gotten together and focus a lot on. And they also we also dabble into helping others get that same positive mindset and that great subconscious that uh, that they have themselves. So here we are, episode number eleven of the Cashless Cowboy with the lovely Philip Elise. Let's go. Right, so here we are, episode number eleven. I got to stop saying numbers because I want to get a heap in, heap done up, and then, um, then produce them later on once I've got a bulk numbers for when I don't go away. But I did do Mr. Greg Lee's episode number ten, and I did say that the next day I was going to record Philippa, but we didn't get a chance to. So a week later, here we are with Philip Lee's episode number 11. Welcome. Thank you. There is a bit of a delay, just so you do know. We are, we are doing in two different states. So we're not face-to-face, very first one. So if there is a little delay, I will try and edit the majority of it out. But bear with us. It's not a glitch. It's just the delay. But um, <laughs> for those at home who don't know, who is Philip Lee's? Introduce yourself. This is the hard one. I know. I really struggled on this um, when I was listening to Slippery's, but um, who's for police? I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm a person that's very lucky um, and very grateful, grateful to have what I, I have. So I'm a, I'm a wife, um, uh, obviously I'm Slippery, and a mother of two pretty awesome kids, um, a daughter of uh, unbelievable parents, um, and I've got and an amazing big sister. So I think I'm lucky and I'm a grateful person. So, um, yeah, and I love rodeo. So that's who Philippa is. I just love every aspect of what I do. Yeah. Well, as you did say, you uh, you got to half think of it all over again because uh, uh, Slip took all your answers. 
I know. Actually, that was probably one of the hardest things because when we, um, when you asked us to do the the podcast, I was excited and I spoke to Slippery about a few of the the questions and I was like, I've got this one. And then I listened to Slippery's and he said what I was going to (laughs) say. So I have had to think a little bit more and maybe a little bit in more in depth of myself, not of us together. So. Ah, so he cheated. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll say that. Yeah. All those, all those awesome answers were all yours, and he just took them. <laughs> I think they were. Yes. If anyone listened to that and thought he was amazing, I think it was his wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, big call, big call. <laughs> but no, but um, as we said, there is a lot of the answers that uh, that are the same because I send them to everybody when I do. Um, ask them to come on. So for those yeah. at home who are like, oh, this is this is like the other, they're a married couple. They talk about everything. It is what it is. But <laughs> it's two completely different people. And that's why I wanted to get you on separate episodes, not just in the same. Yeah, sure. Yep. So uh, what, what got you started in rodeo? Um, I Mainly slippery, actually. Um, I had always um, sort of been with my mum and dad and they trained cutting horses for a living. So um, we were always showing and going down the road and um, dad, like mum and dad, just trained and showed forever. Um, So I loved cutting. Um, That was sort of my passion because that's what I knew and that's what I did. And then um, uh, I started seeing Slippery in my late teens and he rodeoed and I was going to cutting. So I was going with mum and dad and Slippery was off rodeoing and um, it was sort of at a point where I thought, you know, I'd love to have a go. I'd go to rodeos with him and uh, yeah, I used to watch the breakaway roping and the bar race and the team roping and everything. And I just wanted to rope. So um, Slippery sort of said, well, let's, let's start, let's do it. So um, he was always riding bareback horses and saddle broncs. So we never had to cart any horses. So once we, sort of you know I really wanted to ride and rope we um we started carting a horse down the road so that I could have a play as well nice um my my very very first competition was I want to get into um, that later I want to get into that later it was that, with that Slippery Tomato cool story oh okay okay we can't we'll can't stop. just roll this story in that's that's that is the coolest story I've heard oh, come on <laughs> so that that is later um I did actually remember that actually because oh, I've got one more for you. <laughs> But uh, as you said, you did meet Greg <laughs> when uh, when he came and started working for your parents. You know, you've been together for twenty five. Yeah. Yes. Yes, a very long time. We um, I've known Slippery since I was about six years old. Um, he decided he wanted to leave primary school and go work for someone. And his mum said to him, if he could get a job, then he could leave. And it was at that time that he'd been talking to mum and dad. We actually had. My mum and dad had horses in training for Slippery's mum. She had a lot of imported horses and my parents were training their horses. And then uh, Slippery saw dad and said, you know, can I come and work for you? Can I ride horses for you? And dad said yes, not knowing that Lorraine, Greg's mum, didn't think that he would get a job so quick. And he did straight away. And so he left primary school. And so at sort of 13, 14 years old, he come and worked for my mum and dad. So I've known him since I was a kid. it wasn't until a long while later that we kind of got together, but we've known each other for a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, together for 25, but you've still been married for 21 years. That's <laughs> yes. 21 years this year. So what was, it, it's a long time. What's the 20 year anniversary? What's the, I know one year is paper and watch. What's the 20 year? 
Oh, I'm sure it's diamonds. <laughs> diamonds. Oh, right. I don't know. <laughs> slip, you, if you're listening and you didn't get her a diamond, quick bud, slip down. You got, you got time. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, Just uh, love, Benny. Just love. Love. That's it. Strong love. I was thinking that this would be uh, be good to get into later on the episode, but we are talking about we are right now. We're talking about your family, so um, I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about. So if if you don't mind, we might might get into it now if that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. it, this this does go back to how positive that you and Slip really are too. Like it's it, when 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 we actually spoke a little bit about it, like it, it shocked me as to how positive that you faced it all. To be honest. Yeah, definitely. Um, we we got together like while I was we, we got a seven year gap um, between Slippery and I, and we got together. Um, as I was a, as still late teens and um, we got married when I was 20 and um, I love kids. Like I've always wanted kids. Um, and I started rodeoing. So I started learning to rope when I was probably around that 19 years old, I guess, when I really started to do something. So 1920, um, but also wanted to have a family. Um, that was one of my biggest things is wanting to have a family. So probably the thing that, um, you know, kept us sane or kept me sane was rodeo, was roping. Um, and, and traveling and being amongst all of our friends and stuff. Um, cause it took us, took us seven years to have our first child, which is Riley. She's now 14, but seven years of trying to have children with some major heartbreaks throughout that seven years. And, um, you know, we've had, we've had some struggles and in that hospital and different things, but, um, like, and it's not like anyone else, you know, everyone else is probably that may be listening to this, maybe having the same trouble now or, or have had the same sort of uh, struggles in their life and stuff. And it's at the time you don't talk about it. It's sort of not something that you want to bring up. And, um, but now I'm quite happy to talk about, you know, the struggles that we did go through because we have now two pretty awesome kids, um, seven years to have Riley. And then it was sort of 12 months later that I fell pregnant with Luke. So I've got two kids that are 20 months apart super close children um but rodeo was probably uh, or even just roping probably breakaway more so than anything was one of the things that that kept me sane i i trained i worked i i did everything i could to try and get better at what i wanted to do and also try and go down the road so i think it was it was one of those saviors i guess that you needed at that sort of tough time i think otherwise i may have gone a little insane yeah yeah that's right but well, as I said, that it is that is just proof of how positive that you guys really are. But I want to get into that real positive side a little bit later on. I want to get into your accomplishments now. Yeah. Because there's a list of them there. Okay. Yeah. So in 2001, you made your first finals in the ABCRA. Let's talk about that. That's a big feat for your first finals. Yeah. It, um, I never thought I'd sort of make a finals. I just, I love to rope and... Um, I was so excited and it, it just sort of come along and it was one of the most memorables because, you, you know, your first finals are always memorable as, as what you want to achieve and, um, and an exciting year and on a horse that, um, that we trained ourselves and stuff too, you know. So, and I don't know whether you want me to talk about that now. Yeah, why not? Let's get into it. That's, yeah, well, he, he did take you to the first one, so get into it, yeah. This is a cool story. Um. <laughs> and well, I'll tell you about my first breakaway event because it was kind of cool too. But we like leading up to sort of what I wanted to do. I, I had my first go 
at a Tunga rodeo they had a jackpot there and um, Slippery would have spoke about on his podcast about um, a good mate of ours and his called Spook Neville um, Michael Neville and he was calf roping at the time and team roping and making the finals and stuff so he let me ride his calf horse for the first time and I'd never actually competed anywhere yet so I was pretty darn excited and scared out of my wits so they find me I didn't have a rope I didn't have anything but my jeans and my boots and my hat and um, so they found me a rope I had no flag because you know obviously breakaway roping got to have a flag tied to the end of it so no one had a flag. I didn't know any of the girls that roped there. I hadn't met anyone yet. And uh, Spook and Slippery decided to tie a KFC bag to the end of my rope. So I had a flag. Um, it was very, very hillbilly style. Um, but I remember riding around just absolutely so nervous that I couldn't even breathe. And Sue Ellen Parkinson come up to me and she said, are you Okay. <laughs> I said, I am packing it. I am so scared. And she said, don't worry. You ride cutting horses. You know how to read cattle. Just follow your cow and go chuck your rope. And she was probably the first person that just made me stop and go, oh, this is okay. I can do this. And we went and roped um, that day. Didn't do any good. But that was that was it. That's what clicked for me. That was when I wanted to rodeo and keep going. So hence we, um, we needed a horse to go to our first finals. And we've we had a gelding that Greg's mum bred from an imported stallion and mare that she had brought over. And um, so he was by uh, Pa's Music Bar out of a mare called Go Lassie, um, really well-bred little gelding. And he, um, they halted him and they did Western Pleasure with him. They did everything with him, a little Palomino horse. And uh, Slippery had had him for years and he used to buck him out at all the schools like that Slippery had done. And he would have talked about doing some Bronx schools and bareback riding schools. So he used to buck him out at those schools, but he was also my rope horse. So we trained him to rope. He's quiet as a lamb, by the way, like the kids, like as, as we had children and stuff, the kids rode him. But even prior to that, other people's children would ride him. Like he was that quiet. But then Slippery, like before that finals, that 2001 finals, Slippery done a school and had people come around to get on some bucking horses. And my rope horse had to go to the buck shoots to be bucked out before my finals. So they would buck him out one day and I would practice roping calves off him the next day. And, um, but he was, he was great. Like you just had to make sure you warmed him up properly or he'd have a little bit of a hump. But other than that, he was amazing, but they bucked him out and like, you know, every weekend I'd rope off him, they'd buck him out. But he was, he was an amazing girl. And we only, we only buried him. Um, I think it would be only two years ago here on this new place that we're at now. I think he was, uh, 28 or something when we buried him or we might have even been 30 but yeah he, uh, the kids went on to rope off him and bow race him and we carted him to Isa a couple of times for the kids and yeah he was an amazing horse and so he got into his 20s we we quit bucking him <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough so he he was the horse that took you to your first finals though he was yeah he took me to the first few finals actually um yeah he was just a solid honest horse yeah that's pretty cool. That is a cool story. That's why I didn't want to, you know, not, not many people can have that sort of a story for their first finals horse or their first rope horse full stop, really. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I don't know if I appreciated it so much in being bucked out all the time, but he, um, he seemed to enjoy it and they never cruelty him or anything like that. So he, um, he used to love to just hump around and buck around and give the boys a bit of a go. And then, yeah, then I just chuck my rope saddle on and go rope. Well, you go, already warmed up for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just back in the box and on your head. 
So then uh, a little bit of difference, but then 2008, you, for the ABCRA, you won the Bad Company Circuit Champion for the Breakaway Road. Yeah, yeah. It's a circuit title, so it's a branch of that um, ABCRA, like, open titles. Like, they have, um, like, circuits inside. So, um, yeah, that was one of my first buckles that um, I had one that was outside of a jackpot sort of area. So we'd, I had won a jackpot buckle um, in a premier state, region so they had the premier state down through here um and had uh, just ropings that dave hallam used to have and um i think mal fishing used to help out with them we used to go across to narrabri and do some of those and i'd want a breakaway um buckle in those um but as far as uh like what was a little bit a little bit more prestigious was you know winning the bad company which was our area around here um which was which was pretty cool like it was you know to win your your first is pretty exciting i'd missed out on my rookie buckle um at my first finals as back then once you won a rodeo you had to go for your your rookie straight away um so and that was your year but um yeah to win the, the circuit buckles that was pretty cool it was something special yeah definitely well see uh, as you said once you win a rookie in the abcra you had to go for your sorry once you win a rodeo you had to go for your rookie uh with the nra it's just your first yeah. two full years of membership whether you're just starting out or not so a lot, a lot of people, uh, yeah. if there's a few that never really win their, the first year of their rookie, if there's a couple going for it. Yeah. Mm. But um, so then also in 2008, it wasn't just the bad company circuit. You actually won the central circuit as well in breakaway roping. Yeah. That's, yep. Yep. That's right. I had a good year and um, we'd done a lot of rodeos. So that year was great. Like, um, so it was 2000. So from 2001 to 2008, um, in between there was sort of our trying to have children time. Um, so we had Riley in 2005 and Luke in 2006. Um, and we made the finals, um, like I made the finals pretty much every year through that. Um, but it, it was sort of a time in our life that we couldn't go hard solid for those years. So, to, for, to get to 2008 and win some circuit buckles was pretty cool for us. Yeah, definitely. So then 2010 wasn't just the circuit. It was the whole show. You won the ABCRA breakaway champion. Yeah. Yeah. My first title, um, 2010 was one of the best years. We, the kids were little. Um, so we traveled, we, we got a couple of a good friends of ours, um, Amy Hoskin and Joe Young. They would travel with us a lot to help Greg and I team rope together um so we were uh team roping and um and also breakaway roping and we traveled hard that year um i pretty i didn't uh, like i went through new south wales and queensland i didn't fly out of um out of the states but i we went north pretty hard and um we went on and did some pro rodeos after that as well but as far as the abcra title that was yeah the first title's always a pretty awesome feat like I and I know there's a lot of girls out there that have won multiple titles um but I just always believe your first one is just something that you know you say to yourself all the time it's something that you want to achieve and that you can do it and then when you do it it's just so memorable that you you achieved it and got it done yeah definitely definitely but uh you didn't just win the uh the title you also won the average title, the finals title as well. You're the finals champion in 2010 as well. Yes, got both. So, yeah. And I, I often go like um, 
that year was like it was a good year it was a tough year um and there was a lot of girls that were high up there too so it was we had a few mental struggles along the way like um going into the finals I was leading it a couple of rodeos well, it was a couple of radios out that I had, um, you know, I had screwed with my head a little bit and um, and missed a couple of calves and it put me behind a little bit. So I really had to hump up at the finals and, and that's the best part of having a partner that's so damn positive to keep, like to keep us together. We sort of bounced off each other constantly to keep our head or to keep my head right, um, to go into those finals and have a good finals. I went there to I mean, obviously you go there when you're up there that close to try and win the finals, but I wanted the average as well. Um, I wanted something. So, I, you know, I wrote the best I could possibly rope over three rounds um, and the title come too. So it, it, was a, it was a really cool deal. My kids were there and my nieces and um, good mate of mine, Larissa McDonald and her girls, they all had banners lined up. Like it was just such an emotional finals to be there and have your, your itty-bitty kids on the sideline with big banners like screaming at you that you've, you know, that you've done it sort of thing. And at that stage you used to have to go around the arena on your horse. So it was, I think I was just a mess that whole lap victory lap around the arena. But um, I competed against some brilliant girls that, you know, inspired me along the way to be a better roper and a better person. So it was one of those finals, I think that sort of changed who I was a little bit and what I believed in and, and how I roped and how I competed. Yeah, that is cool. Like, um, as because there is a delay, I didn't want to say it at the time because it would have spoken over you. But to 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 do your lap of honor and look up and see the banner with your kids and stuff like that that's that's deadly. That's pretty. That would have hit home. Ah, it was. Yeah, it really did. And to have them there, like, and it even chokes me up now to think that they were so excited for their mum. Like, I'm, I've always wanted that, and then to have it, it was just so cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that's uh, we don't really have that up here. Like our finals are three different areas in the NRA. Uh, last, the first year I made the yeah. finals. First was a Maryborough, and it was the same last year. The second was um, oh, I can't even remember where the second one was two year ago. But uh, Toowoomba it was in Toowoomba, which was good. But then the second one last year was yeah. in Tannerfield. Uh, the and the third round's Caboolture and that, but um. Yeah, and apart from really QSEC, which is at Caboolture, but we don't we use the show arena. We don't really have an arena like like ALIC and stuff like that. And and that, and to have the finals at ALIC, it's it is like a stadium. You, you sit the crowd, just the, the fan, the seats go up, and it they pack them out for the yeah. the bushy finals. And it, that's right. Like I've been to a lot of finals at the old arena too, like the old Tamworth arena, and they used to have the pro finals there when like. Uh, and I had never been to those, but I'd always been there to watch slippery ride bareback horses there. And that was just the same. Like it was amazing even in there because it was smaller, tighter. It would be packed out. Um, just the atmosphere to ride in amongst so many people is is just phenomenal. Like it, it's just one of those special moments that when everyone, like the crowd's pumped up and you're pumped up, you you know, you can, you're invincible kind of thing. It's a, It's amazing. Yeah, is that um is the old arena at the showgrounds? I think I went to when Kev Reg- mm. Kevin Redstrom was over. He ran a, uh, I think it was a, a USTRC qualifier. Um, yeah, and that was that. Is that that arena that you're talking about? The old old arena there on the finals at? Yeah, 
Yeah, the old um, indoor at, at Tamworth, which is sort of what they used constantly there for a long time before the ALIC was built. Um, and then, you know, they've got the ALIC, which is just sort of world-class sort of arena, um, fits so many more people and um, and it, it does, it gets packed out for our for the ABCRA finals definitely and it, it's a it's a great feeling to ride in that arena. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then after the, having a good year in 2010, the very next year, you went and did a few more pros and you won the Pro Tour Breakaway Champion 2011. Yep. We, um, I wanted to do, <laughs> I'd always sort of gone to some rodeos with Slippery, like pro rodeo wise and loved it, done a few ropings here and there. And um, my first, I think my first rodeo that I had ever competed in was at the old Isa Grounds um, on one of Anna McPhee's horses, old horses, Cowboy. And I got to compete there once Um and that was sort of my first time actual competition. So we'd always, Greg had won so much in the pros that I was keen to go do something in that as well. So we sort of made a goal that we, we'd done that season in the bushes and, um, and, and succeeded for the end of the year. And then we wanted to go on and do some pro rodeos. And my horse was, was working amazing. It's a, a different horse again. So we've got better Bardock Kickery Holding that I purchased as a two-year-old. And um, sort of main reason why I purchased him was my dad. Um, so there was a couple of horses that we, we needed to buy. We needed to sort of help old Gobars out and get a new horse. And so my dad sort of picked a gelding out that was just waspy as hell and ricocheting on yards. And dad said, that's the horse you got to buy. And I just sort of thought, oh, crap, he's, he's pretty full on. And we bought him off a really good friend of ours that was going to the States, Mark Michaels. He's over there now um, that had been training cutting horses over there. And, we, um, he said, look, I've got to go to the States. So if you want him, you can take him. And he was out of a really good old man that my dad used to show. So we thought, well, we'll, we'll take a pump. We'll take him. I bought him for 1800 bucks and, um, he was, he was pretty full on. And, um, we brought him, we bought him, brought him home and broke him in and Slippery helped us break him in and stuff. And, uh, he was going to go to the cutting loss for charity cause he was, he was pretty neat. Um, and then my dad pulled me out one day and he said, you need, you need him as your rope horse. You need to take this horse on. So um, that's when he went to the rope pen and, you know, after a few years of training and what have you, he was he was the horse that took me to my 2010 win and titles and then um, and, and then on to the pro run. So he was on fire. So I got to take him straight through. We had a great Christmas run down south and won a lot of rodeos. And um, so we just thought we'd keep going and, and see what happened for the end of year. Um, I got the pro tour and went to the APRA finals and had an amazing finals up there on the Gold Coast at um, Jupiter's Casino. That was pretty awesome up there and um, had a good finals, like placed up in the finals and stuff, but um, uh, wasn't fortunate enough to win the title as such, but got the pro tour. So that was, that was pretty cool and pretty special. Yeah. But also in 2011, you actually equaled the AB, uh, APRA record the Australian record with a 1.9 second run. Yeah, there was, yeah, I think it was Collar Enterbri, if I remember rightly. And um, yeah, I, and that was probably, I think the first time I'd roped that fast. Um, I'd, I'd never roped in the ones at all. And yeah, one nine to equal the record. And I am not a hundred percent sure who the other girls were that were on that record. I think Wendy Caber might've been one and I'm not a hundred percent sure who the other was. There was a couple of girls that were on that record, but it's pretty cool when you break a record in or, or equal a record in that association, you get a, a like a pretty awesome 
framed up plaque to say that that's what your achievement was for the year and what your time was and and where it was like um that was pretty special and that was the first time that I'd ever roped that fast um and then to equal a record was even more sweet so it was that was really cool yeah yeah cool well um then the same year 2011 so it was a cracking year for you 2011 in the ABCRA, you won the Southern Zone Rookie Header Champion. So we're stepping away from the breakaway. We went ahead. Yeah, well, we did both. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we had a busy couple of years. Like We just hauled and we had an absolute blast. And like I said, we had those girls that come with us and helped us a lot. So they were rodeoing with us and we're helping them out as well. So we were fortunate enough to have people help us down the road with our kids being so small. Um, but, yeah, it was a good year. And I, I really wanted to go for... Well, I, I had been trying going for the rookie uh, header in the um, ABCRA, but um, I was I was beaten from that in the actual ABCRA title from Adam Baker, and Adam Baker was is just a phenomenal header, and Slippery was his partner, so Slippery was his partner and my partner, and we were both going for the same buckle, so um, Adam was Adam was the better man and won that, but I was fortunate enough to win the Southern Zone area, so um, to win that was really cool. I love my team roping so much, and to win it with the help of Slippery, and I also roped with um, Aaron Briner for the year, um, so yeah, to get something like that was just awesome. Like I, I really strived and wanted to win something in the team roping as well as the breakaway because they're they're both passionate events to me yeah so then um a couple of years later 2013 you actually won the pro tour rookie header in the apra yeah, yeah that was pretty cool too <laughs> so i always had flipper as my healer so he wasn't allowed to go heading he just had to stay healing because that's what i needed him for <laughs> but he loves heading but it was you go the other end <laughs> um yeah so i had a great year uh, that year too in the pros and um, and partnered up with a few different people and um, and was fortunate enough to win that for the end of the year. So um, that was even – that was bigger to me as well. So um, I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like I said to him um, on his birthday was his episode, which has made it even cooler for me, but I said to him, like, <laughs> it's pretty cool to win a roping with your wife on your birthday, you know, but you've, you've actually won, you know, a pro rookie title with your husband. So that's even cool. Yeah. It's definitely very special to be able to rope with, yeah, your best friend, <laughs> you know, your best friend that you um, are married to, that you travel down the road with. And um, we're both sort of, we're both supportive people and we're both positive people, but it's pretty cool to rope with someone that, doesn't care if you miss or, you know, and if you do miss to, to show a bit of support on how to help you get better and things like that. So we would bounce constantly and it was probably the best time that I had and the best competition state of mind that I was in sort of for those couple of years, especially doing two or different associations and trying to do two events yeah. and, and two tough events, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, so then 2016, we're getting through a fair few years here. 2016, <laughs> you were the ABCRA breakaway champion again. Yes. So, yeah, it's been a long while of again. roping and, and trying to achieve. <laughs> um, yeah, 2016 title was was pretty cool. Um, I had planned to do some radio. I, I love making the finals. Like, I love being there. I love being a part of it. My horse... He turns it on at the finals. He's a completely different horse at the finals. Like he, if, if there's lights on and there's a crowd, he just shows off. And I love riding him 
in those situations. Um, excuse me. But um, leading up to those finals, I just wanted to make the finals. So um, I, I went to, I think there was only probably six rodeos that I had gone to. Um, and I think I um, won most of them, placed at a couple um, to, to be high enough to make the finals. Um, I think I went in at about sixth place. Um, and I'd always, Greg and I'd always talked about, um, having that mindset. I think I've grown a lot since I first started, but having that mindset of when I go to those rodeos, um, to have the mindset of, of going there to achieve something of what I want to achieve. So I would go there on the aspect of wanting to win that rodeo. So I had a goal set. I wanted to make the finals. Um, I wanted to get to the finals to go for the average again, because yep. I love the average. I really wanted to do that. I didn't think I was in any place to be able to win the title. So I just wanted to make the finals. Um, yeah. So we did make the finals. I think I went in about sixth place, went to the finals um, on Hickory and um, had an awesome first night. Um, it was a, what I would call a bit of a dodgy loop, but it was one that paid off for me and I ended up second the first night. So that was pretty awesome. Um, the second night was pink night. Um, and we went in with the, the same, I just went in with the same goals of my, uh, you know, good frame of mind and what I wanted to achieve. And I always sort of walk into an arena with what I want to achieve before I get there. I always have a bit of a plan. Um, so I went there to, you know, every night I went to win the round. Like I wanted to be the, the person that would win every round, three rounds and the average. That's what I was sort of, that was my goal going. So first night, second, I was happy with that. Uh, sorry, first night. Yep. Second night um, was pink night and I won the round and broke the arena record. So I was 1.87 um, for that arena record. And um, so I had an awesome night that night. Going into the third night of the finals, um, I was sitting pretty good for the average. So I was like, well, we just got to go and do it again. Slippery just said, well, we just go and we just do what we do. I was like, yep, okay, that's cool. And that morning, um, I thought I'd better go and take Hickory's rug off. And he was amongst a bunch of horses and um, they were all sort of all standing around near the tree near my front, um, sort of front of my house area. So I just sort of jogged on down there to go and take his rug off. And I must've spooked him. And as I spooked him, when I put my hand on his rump, he's jumped forward and double barred out and kicked me straight across both knees um, and floored me pretty much. Um, so that was pretty tough because I thought I like I didn't know exactly what had happened to my legs, um, but I couldn't stand on one. So Greg come down on the quad and picked me up and took me back to the house and we iced it. And I thought I'd just, I you know I'd, I'd just been kicked hard, so my leg was swelling up a little bit, but it was okay. And then Greg said to me then he said I just don't know if you can win enough to to win the finals, but let's go in and see if you can do the average, if you can get on. So that was sort of like 10 o'clock in the morning and we had to be in there at sort of around four. So after lunch, I showered and got organised and I went to get into the car to drive down to the gooseneck and my knee fell apart and my dad has trouble with his knees. So he, he sort of grabbed me and we, we realigned it and strapped it and put a brace over the front of it. Um, and it was my left, my left leg. Um, and then we, we headed to the finals. So was in a world of pain. <laughs> um, but like Slippery says, nothing's worth it unless it's tough, you know. Um, so we went to the finals and I couldn't um, I couldn't do anything, actually. I couldn't even saddle my horse up. I couldn't get on. Um, Slippery had to help me get on. We had to line him up against a, the side of the, 
the guardrail of the gooseneck so I could stand up, try and climb up there and get on my horse and everyone booted him for me and stuff. Um, and then I went to the finals, um, uh, like for the last round and I didn't get off my horse. So I stayed on him from the time we arrived at the, the, at the ALEC until the time I had to rope. So I was not getting off my horse cause I knew once I got off, I could not get back on. <laughs> so I stayed on him and went to the to the round and it, it was sort of um it was a, probably one of the toughest rounds as far as like you know you're hurting and um you know you, you're trying to mentally just keep everything together which um which was good it kind of proved to me that over the years we've got a lot stronger and we've worked hard at our mental state i, I train with that constantly um so we went in and we won the last round of the finals um, which was awesome. I knew I'd got the average. That was my goal. That's what I'd set. I wanted that and um, I achieved it. So I was super stoked. And at these finals, you had to get off your horse, get on the truck <laughs> to do your victory lap. Um, and thank God Larissa, one of my best mates, was there on another horse and she come down and gave me a hand to get off my horse and roll me into the truck so that I could get into the truck to do my like do the victory lap as such. But I didn't even know at that stage that I'd won the title, I knew I'd got the average and I was there with Anna Chris because she'd won the rookie and I, and she was up there for the, for the title as well. And, um, it was only announced as we were driving out that I'd won the title as well by $34. Um, That's cool. so it was, it was a pretty sweet moment. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a tough finals, but it was one of my most favorites, I guess. I, I, um, it, it was just cool. Like it was just awesome. Yeah, I love it. Larissa had to roll me into the truck. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> um, but it wasn't until the next day that, um, yeah, I was pretty, like we had to go to the presentations. I'd, I'd won fast time. I'd won rounds. I'd won the average. I won the title. So you're back and forth getting your prizes and your buckles and your saddle. And um, that night we got home about 1 o'clock and I'd gone to bed. And the next morning was a Sunday. So we, I did nothing. My leg was huge. I couldn't walk. And it wasn't until Monday that I went in um, to see my physio because I had a, um, a torn a bit of a tendon off my elbow. So I went in to get that checked and said, you better check out my leg because I can't walk. And he had a look at me and, and said, we've got to send you for MRIs. But I had ruptured my ACL completely in half and fractured my tibia. So it was, um, it was more detrimental than what I had thought. I thought I'd just sort of, you know, hurt my leg and it just kicked me on top of my knee, but it actually um, completely split my knee. So your bones fall apart, basically. Um, your kneecap doesn't stay together. So it was after then that I had to take 12 months off to go and have surgery and then get back into rehab to try and um, be able to get back on a horse. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Like you, when you first told me that, you're like, not a lot of people probably know how bad actually it was. But yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know how bad it was until sort of a couple of days later, but yeah, it was, um, it was a tough finals cause uh, yeah, it was, and, I, and I'm sure many people go through the same sort of deal, like, and especially a lot of rough stock riders and stuff too. And, and, and even the time event guys with broken, broken bits as such. Um, but it, yeah, personally it was a tough one for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what, are, what actually kept you so driven, so competitive, over that, well, from 2011 to 2016, you know, there's a 16-year period there. You know, what kept you so driven through that whole time? I think it was just the love of the sport. Like, I absolutely love what we do. Um, 
especially like at, at the early stages um, when the kids were little, it was all about us. It was all about Slippery and I um, on achieving titles that we wanted to achieve. When, when I first started seeing Slippery at sort of 15, 16 years old, he had won a lot and he'd been to the States, he'd travelled, he'd won a lot of the stuff that he desired to win. Um, so I fed off that because I had always wanted to be the same like I wanted to be good at what I did and I I just had a thirst of wanting to to win um as like as far as being driven and stuff um I think it yeah I think honestly to sort of keep it sort of I guess simple was um I love the sport love roping love team roping love breakaway roping um and just wanted to be a good competitor I wanted to be someone that someone eventually in the day could look up to and I wanted to be that person that could help anybody that needed help to get better. Um, I wanted to see the sport evolve. I wanted to see, um, you know, breakaway roping come to that next level. And I've always, like, it's sort of been one of those deals where you, you get people come along and they, they lift the game up another level. And I always wanted to, to help be that person to, to keep lifting. So I'm, I'm always constantly training and learning and I don't think, because I've won a title that I've got to where I am now. Like I've, I always want to get better and be better and keep lifting the sport. Um, but in saying that, like as the kids got older, so through towards that end of, you know, towards the 2016 title, um, the kids were, the kids are keen. The kids are roping They're like, especially, well, both the kids have been, Lukey's healing for us. Um, Riley, she will team rope at home, but she hasn't done at rodeos yet, but she's loving her bow racing. And now she's on my good horse and like, he's 24 years old now. And it like, she's sitting sort of fourth in the ABCRA junior breakaway at the moment. So I'm, we're sort of helping her to, to achieve what they want to achieve. So it becomes a, becomes a singular sport that turns into a family sport that we're all very driven together i suppose mm. it helps drive you that extra bit too with the kids being so keen and oh, yeah and and i think slippery touched on this too as far as it changes focus too like it it starts off with us wanting to win so much and then it changes where we are just so so excited and so proud to see our kids doing what they love now which is what we love so it's a very family orientated sport like and, and also to be amongst um, close friends doing the same thing and their children and things like that. So I guess the, yeah, the family aspect has driven us even a lot harder and kept a lot of things in perspective with having the kids compete too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, in that, once again, in that 16 year period, did you, you trained all, every one of your horses that you rode, you trained. Yes, both Slippery and I have trained. Um, so, yeah, everything that we have ever ridden or competed off or made the finals or anything like that actually has all come from horses that we've purchased, bred and trained. Yeah, that's pretty cool to be able to say that. You've never you never really had an outside horse. I guess you'd say that you've, well, you do get outside horses in to help train, but for all yours that you've yeah. ever won a title, a buckle, a check on, they've been your horses that you've worked on, you've, you've, you've done everything to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's been, and, and that's another sort of feat in itself. And we love, we love the horsemanship side, both Slipper and I have. And I think cause it's, we've been, you know, we've both been brought up 
with my dad um, and my mum and like, and they've won a lot in their cutting industry and my sister as well um, have won a lot of, a lot of stuff in the cutting and, and horsemanship such a big part of all of that. And, and like, even like um, Slippery would have talked about in his early days doing Western pleasure and halter and things like that. And we dabbled in a little bit of that as kids, but um, uh, horsemanship was such a big thing to us to, to have good horses um, and to rope well. So we've always, always purchased our horses like we've purchased young horses we've sort of picked out what we've we've liked uh, some have just come to us by chance like the, the hickory gelding that i rope off now he was sort of one of those horses that my dad said you just got to buy like you got to buy that horse and and now even with the like we've moved on to younger horses that we're roping off now um and they're horses that we've either picked up as um you know yearlings and then some that we've picked up as uh, three-year-olds or four-year-olds or some are even six-year-olds but they've they've some have been broken some haven't so yeah and we've just um we've gone with that yeah well um as you said you both had to spend a lot of time with your dad and and now use it together so at least you didn't have the whole oh dear one or more parents are going to think of him situation <laughs> <laughs> no exactly um um no that's exactly that's right. the man himself <laughs> I know my dad's just come in. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we um, we didn't have any awkward introductions there. Mum and dad were pretty happy with that, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's they, that's pretty they cool. Did sleep quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, right now, that's that's what I want to get into because this, to me, this man took me to a new level. You know, so not only inside <laughs> your sixteen-year period of you're competing and, and bulk winning, but inside a 25 year period, you've had one of the most powerful, positive minded men I've ever had the privilege to meet. And he's been in your corner from day dot. That's pretty bloody cool. Sorry for swear, but that's awesome to me. <laughs> yep, definitely. It's pretty darn special to be honest. Um, To have, uh, and oh, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a tough one. Like, it's it's so awesome like greg is so positive in everything he does so it doesn't matter whether we're rodeoing if it's life in general um if it's our family if it's our kids you know um if it's training horses or or you know anything um he's a very positive person and he's like he's amazing to feed off he's amazing to have in your corner he will make you rethink things that you didn't think you could like i i feed off that i think we're I think we're very good together as far as bouncing that type of thing off each other. Um, and we've, when you live with someone <laughs> constantly from an early age, um, I guess you, to some sense, you become very similar to that person. Um, but he, he is an amazingly positive guy um, that always believes. Like, I, I don't know if I'd got, I mean, I, I believe, um, as far as myself as mental strength and, and something that you strive on every day that you can do something. But I do believe that he was probably the main person that helped me get to where I am today and probably be the better person that I am today. Um, because constantly he's in your corner. He's constantly believing in you. He constantly pushes you like he will push you and he pushes you to your limits a little. And I like that. I think mm. it's a pretty cool trait and I think it's a really cool thing that a husband and wife can do together. Mm. Um, you know, we train together, we rope together and it, it, some people go, gosh, you know, how, how do you do that without killing each other? Um, we have a very good mutual respect for each other. 
uh, we do respect each other very highly. So we both will stop and think and listen and, and make sure that we're on the same path. We have never had an argument in the 25 years we've been together. We've never even had a blue, um, which is pretty cool. Not many people believe that, but we've never got like gone to it or had a, you know, gone off at each other or anything like that. We've just never have, but slippery or like we always say to each other is probably the best. Like we're probably the most, um, compatible couple as far as we both believe that we've married our best friend so we can talk to each other about anything motivate each other tell us each other to pull our heads in when we need to <laughs> so it's it's all of the above <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty cool you know like to, to then you, you doubled in a little bit there but like what, what um when was it that you really realized i guess that he's his mindset and his subconscious is powering you you know because because your your mindset and your subconscious is just as strong now yeah most definitely i i believe it is and i i believe that it's something that you have to work at constantly like it's not something that you just go yep mindset's good let's go um uh, we we both fluctuate like i i we're both like that i think oh, i think early on in the days like um because as far as rodeo goes greg had been there and done that so he'd been through some of his, excuse me, his own trying times and, and battling different head noises. Um, and I hadn't got there yet. Um, like I, I started a lot later than what Slippery did. So I hadn't got to those struggles yet. So when I did get to them, as far as, um, you know, trying to keep my mind right, Slipper had already been there and done that. So he, he had that power over me because he'd already done it. We weren't doing it at the same time. So yeah. it was easy for him to, to help me get through those struggles and keep my mindset right. Um, and we've had different instances uh, along the way that, you know, I've had a dummy spit kind of deal and, you know, thought, oh, damn, what am I doing? I can't do it sort of thing. And then Greg just basically pulled my head in and said, you know, yeah, of course you can. This is what you are and, you know, you're a champion. You can do whatever you believe you can do. And that's what, you know, Greg always says, and, and I say it to everybody too, is you, you've got to train your subconscious mind all the time to say, you know, because that's the one that will come in all the time and say, you can't do this, you can't do this. Mm. And your active mind will go out there and stuff it up. But if you subconsciously tell yourself that you are the best and, and that you are a champion and you can keep doing this and, and you've got it, whether the outcome good or bad, there's always a positive, I believe. Like there's, there's been times where I've told myself, I've got this, I can do it. And that was my rookie year. I told myself I'd, I'd won it. I'd, and Greg's got a similar deal to this, but he actually got to say his speech. <laughs> and I didn't. I lost my um, rookie year at the finals. But it was one of those deals that after that, I think that was probably my major turning point was my first finals, my first rookie year. Um, lost it at the finals by... Oh, I can't remember how much it was now, but, and it doesn't even sort of come into focus now, but back then that was probably my turning point of, I can't do this because I didn't win the goal that I'd set out to try and win. Yeah. But it wasn't until later down the track that I realized that that's what it wasn't about. That whole 12 months of trying to win that and, and changing and what have you and having Slippery's help to get me through it was the turning point of me realizing that I can do it and I have to train to get better and I have to be more powerful with my mind, you know, and so forth and, and train better at my, my sport and not just think that because I've won a few rodeos that I've made it. Do you know what I mean? Like I had to keep training and I still believe I do now. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, 
you, you told me this story when we we uh we spoke last weekend about coming on. I want to talk about the ten headed emerald invitational. <laughs> Come on, we got to. Okay. <laughs> tell, yeah. tell us, well, tell us that story. And, and this is another turning point. I um yeah, I have my lots of ups and downs, but. I went to, um, I got invited to the Invitational at Emerald, which I was pretty excited about. And at that stage, I can't remember what year it was, to be honest, but they had an Invitational where they had a 10 head at Emerald. So we had Emerald Rodeo the next day and then Roma the following. So at the 10 head, um, it was just the Invitational deal. I got invited to that. So I was pretty excited and I was pumped about being able to rope there. And I think it might have been could have even been the same year that I won my pro tour. I can't remember. Um, but I remember the instance, what happened, like exactly what happened because I was so pumped to go. I was roping very good. Um, I felt good. My horse was awesome. He was working amazing. And I thought this is going to be so cool. I rope 10 calves all the time. I can rope him at home. I rope him in my sleep. I'm good to go. My mind was good. I was happy. I was positive. And at this 10 head, once you roped your first calf, you're out. Like if you miss, sorry, if you miss your first calf, then you're out. So you pretty much all the girls go until the last person is standing that's roping the calf basically. And um, so I was like, oh, I got this. This is cool. We're good to go. And I would jump out and I miss the first calf. So I'm out. (laughs) I'm out straight away. And I was gutted. I was just like, oh, my God, I, I prepared. My mind was good. My horse was good. I felt good. And I screwed up my run. Um which happens, you know, it happens and it happens constantly. Um, but it's what happens afterwards that makes you the better person or the person that's going to go on because I, and I did have Slippery there with me and we went back to the van and I was gutted. I was so upset and I was better than what I probably would have been 10 years ago, (laughs) but I was still upset. I said to Slippery, I I can't believe I missed that calf. Like I'm not good enough to be here. Why did I get invited? This is crap. And um, yeah, I was was pretty down and Slippery said to me, you got to, you know, you got to pull this together and you got to believe, like you still got to keep believing. Like you come here believing, but you didn't have your subconscious saying I can do it. You still doubted yourself. Like he said, somewhere in there was a little bit of doubt. And I believed there wasn't, that was probably our first argument. I believe there was no doubt. Personally. Obviously. (laughs) <laughs> but obviously there was some doubt in there um, to, you know, to, to screw up that calf. So um, when I got talking to Slippery and he said, you know, you've got to start believing, you've got to start telling yourself. And this is probably the turning point of where I tell people to say, like I went back out and I wrote that dummy and Greg's like, say it to yourself, say that you are a champion. And I was like, oh, that's silly. And he's like, no, you need to say it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm a champion. He goes, I can't even hear you. And um, so I got a little bit louder and, and we're by ourselves. Like I don't do this sort of stuff in front of a huge amount of people. And, and it's not a cocky thing either. It's something that I've got to, that I had to tell myself personally that I was a champion. So I would rope the dummy. I'm a champion. I am a champion. So I did that all night that night. And the next morning I went out and I wrote the dummy again. And I was like, I've got this. And my mind had done a full flip. I was like on a different wavelength. I felt it even better. I believed in what I was actually saying out loud to myself. And then I went to the rodeo. And so we're at Emerald and I won Emerald and I went to the next one. I won Roma. And after that, I said to Slippery, like how powerful that was to just tell myself what I could do. That's right. And I still do it to this day. Like even going to the 2016 finals, I would practice. And my horse got hurt before that, so I couldn't. Um, 
practice on carbs off him to get feeling good. So roping the dummy, that's what I would do. Like I would just train my mind and mm. you've got to, I believe you've got to train physically, emotionally and mentally to yeah. be able to achieve. Yeah. Well, as I um, said, after, after that two hour episode with, with sleep, I walked out of there a different man and I, uh, I had a good day Sunday. Like I only won a, I won the second in the tens and I won uh, third in the eight uh, with, with Dave both. I oh, know Dave was uh, one, one, the eight Saturday with Dave, but I uh, won third was yeah. with um, Matt Speedy. And then, um, cause I always announce at Evandale and um, part of the crew. So I've been told on family. So that's pretty cool. But um, I said, <laughs> I'm not, not sure whether we're coming to the next or whether we're going to go to Kanunga Rodeo. I said, I'll just see what, see what happens. And then on Monday, uh, Christy put up the standings for the Avondale high money buckles. And they got, so in, inside the Southeast Queensland zone for the ATRA, there's a jackpot that's just out of Warwick called the Avondale. We go to Avondale and we wrote there, which is where we actually first met. Um, yeah. And they've got their own little buckles in there. So their own little series and it goes on money, not points. So, um, there's for the highest header and for the highest healer, there's actual saddles as well. So all the way from the eights, you got header healer, tens, header healer, twelves, header healer, all the way up the opens, all girls, so on and so forth. And when the list got put up, I was actually sitting at number one. I've never, ever been in number one before in my life. I was sitting number one by $2, massive $2. <laughs> I sent Slip a picture of the standings and I said, I need your help, <laughs> you know, and we got talking <laughs> and that and um, very grateful Friday. We're going to come down a little earlier and I'm going to spend some time with Slip. But we got talking for a bit through texts and that and he, he wrote me out a little thing to say to myself every day and the same thing when I wrote the dummy every afternoon, I say that little affirmation to myself. I changed, I actually changed what he, he sent to me to make it more of mine, but I, I based yeah. it off of what he sent me. Um, but every day I say that to myself and every afternoon I out there and I wrote the dummy and I tell myself, I deserve this. I am a champion. And, you know, and yeah. his, his influence on me was massive, you know, so I can't even imagine the level he's put onto you, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but, most definitely. Mm, so, and I've actually, uh, I was talking to, uh, to Lindsay, Lindsay sitting $2 behind me. I was, she messaged me saying, Oh, well I wrote with Matt and I'm like, Oh yeah, of course. Cause I missed for, for Matt on Saturday. And then I said to him, I said, can I make up for today? This is a Sunday. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And um, I actually turned two good steers for him and he double hooked both. We were just a little bit long, on the second, as he come across the corner, his tip of the rope caught the tail of the steer because it was up in the air. I didn't realise that until the video, um, but he still double hocked it and we picked up a third. Um, and Lindsay messaged me. She's like, oh, you work with Matt at the next one. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to, blah, blah. And then we got talking and Lindsay, so in the in the saddle, it goes uh, Ross Davison's, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, I think Ross is first and Lindsay's second, all the other way around, and then it's me. Yeah. And then in the healing side, it's uh, Matt Speedy, Alan Knox, and um, Dave Nolan. So then the three healers are roping with the three headers. You know, like all, all three yeah. of the healers are roping with all three of the headers. So I'm trying to help Lindsay's husband win the saddle. 
as well as my other partners and Lindsay's trying to help Noxie and Dave Nolan beat her husband win the saddle, but also help her <laughs> husband. Like it's just a, a massive big helping circle. And that, that that's, that's what I love about the, what we do as well. But it's to then to look at that and go, I'm still on. I'm, no, I was just going to say, and that's the best part about it. That's, that's helping each other for the sport and that's the love of the sport. And it's, it's the, the best person on the day wins. Like, and that's, that's what it's about. The camaraderie of everyone coming together and helping each other try and win something, you know, yeah. the best person that ropes for the day, you know, stands out. That's it. That's it. And hopefully with, uh, with, with slips and your help, that'll be me. That's yeah. Fingers crossed. But, um, yeah. Well, you gotta think. <laughs> yep. But you and Greg, you know, you, you've got a fantastic little facilities that you've got on your property now and, and stuff like that. But um, you just put all your experience and all your knowledge into helping other people improve theirs. You still do a lot of one-on-one lessons and schools like that and you, you're looking to extend out to do more group clinics and stuff like that. But, but when someone turns up, whether they do a weekend or whether they do half an hour, it's not just their roping that they get the tension, like their mindset gets a lot of attention as well and i think that's that's cool you don't get that at a normal school you just get you you you, you're roping like you're you're here to learn to rope we're going to improve your roping but you guys take it that next step and go you you can rope but your mind isn't helping you rope right now so we're going to work on that that's pretty cool yeah that's exactly right work together like um you know, mind control and, and body control. And that's why I say you've got to train like physically, emotionally and um, and mentally. Like you've got to be able to train in all aspects to get better. And it's any sport, I believe. Like I, um, I love different sports and how people work so damn hard to get what they want. And like I, I used to read when I was um, like going for different titles and stuff, I, I read a book on a lady, Natalie Cook, that was a volleyball gold medalist. And she talked about her mindset and, and to go to Olympics, like it's, you know, they've got one shot and then they've got to wait four years for another. We get mm. one shot if we're going to go all year and then we get the, the following year if we didn't make it. So we kind of keep, we can keep rolling on, whereas a lot of the Olympians can't. So, and one of the things that she put up um, was really powerful about um, how she would brush her teeth every morning, obviously. And um, she had a really big mirror in front of her, her sink. And when she'd stand up to brush her teeth, she had drawn the gold medal on the glass. So when she stood up, that gold medal sat around her neck every morning. That's cool. And I was like, how darn cool is that? Yeah, like we just need a longer mirror so we can put a buckle at our waist. But <laughs> it was just so cool. Every morning, this, you know, this gold medalist, now she was, she went from bronze to gold and like every morning she stands up to brush her teeth and she's got a gold medal sitting around her neck. And she did that for four years to go to the next Olympics to win that gold. Um, And I just believe this, like any sport is so powerful and any sport you've got to train in all aspects. So to us, to Greg and I, it's not always just about being able to rope. There's some very talented ropers out there um, that just don't have a great mindset to help them go and achieve what they want to achieve. But they're unbelievable at what they do. Um, and you see that in any sport in everyday life. So one of our biggest things when we want to do lessons is we like to uh, to go through like your roping aspects. We've got people that come um, here at home that have never swung a rope. 
um, I've, I've had um, one lady that had a New Year's resolution um, and all she wanted to do was learn how to swing a rope. That was it. She was never going to compete. And now she's competing and, you know, it's been a couple of years down the track and she's doing it all. Um, I've got um, kids that have never swung a rope. I've got people that have never swung. Then I've go from, you know, I have people come down that want to eventually go for something. Yeah, so I have a lady that wants to go for a title um, next year, I, I'm assuming. And so we went, when she come down for two half days, we went through a lot of um, mind and positive power and, and finding out what she wanted, so what her end result was, finding out what the price was to pay. So not in dollar value, I mean the price to pay is in what was she going to do to achieve and then the way we were going to achieve it. So the price that we were going to pay and how we were going to pay for it. So that was our sort of roll around that we went through a lot of mindset with a lot of roping. So just to keep her head right and work out what she wanted to do, but what she was going to do for it. Um, like I, I think we've got to put in as much as we want to get out of it. And if we don't, then result won't be the same. Yeah. So we work a lot on that here at home. And then that's from kids to adults. Um, we get a variety of people come through and we love it. We love to help. We both love to teach. Um, and Greg has always loved to teach even since when he was doing bareback clinics and stuff. So we've sort of, I'm, I'm at home. So I'm unfortunate enough to be able to stay home because Slips business is in the Valley. So I can do that kind of every day where I can fit it in. We take outside horses as well. So that's been a really cool thing is training different horses for different people. Um, but the lessons as such, I just love. Like I'm in the arena, so I love having company, love being able to help people. Yeah. Well, as I was saying, Greg, like um, we got to, i got to come down. Katie and I need, need to come down and just spend a weekend. He's like, what's stopping you? What's holding you back? You know, so we, we got to make it, we got to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. But um, as you just said, like uh, the people that would have heard Greg's uh, episode, he is one of Australia's best farriers and he does go to America every year, twice a year, you know. So for every time he goes, and you actually told me uh, yesterday when we did, I did a little call just to line up everything, finalise everything before the interview, um, his summers, you said he'd spend, he'd spend over in America all the time. When you were first for the of fair yeah. weather, when you first got together, inside that um, now with with slip still going away, and also that when you first were together, you did your full rookie year travel on your own. But now you know, like when he goes, you got to really step up and look after everything yourself. You know, you got the kids, you got lessons, you got you know the slips yours and slips business, you got outside horses, you got everything that you know. Mama Lee's has got to step up, and she does. <laughs> oh, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> in, when he went to the summers, I was working hard. So I was at the vet clinic. Um, I'd been in the vet clinic for 13 years. So I was in town at that stage um, with all my horses and stuff back at my parents because we were at Bandara. So I was working at the clinic. And um, so, so we was doing summers here and summers in the States so I could keep rodeoing. I flew over a couple of times. Um, and that was that was pretty easy. We didn't have kids. I just worked. So while he was gone, I just worked. Um, now Slippery goes over twice a year for hoof care summits and different things for his farrowing business. Um, but we're lucky. We've we've got a good family. My parents live on the same property as us. They've retired here on our place. Um, so we're we're lucky that we've got them. The kids are old enough now too that makes things a little easier. And 
and we just kind of run the farm as we do and and keep working horses and and keep um keep everything traveling along but it's it's something that um i guess we're just kind of used to and we don't think it's that big of a deal really yeah and you still use work as a team you know like i was talking as i said i've been talking to slip all week and that and um he called me I was like, oh, what's going on? He goes, no, nothing, just on my home. Just got Chinese. PJ's picking up the kids from karate, heading home, you know, and I'm like, you just help each other in everything you do, you know, like as as we said in Slip Step So, both kids are black belts. That's dead. That is so cool, you know, but like you're, <laughs> you're, you're picking them up from the karate and he's, I guess, because they're <laughs> finished the karate, got to go home and eat Chinese food. <laughs> but you know you're you constantly helping each other get through the day that's pretty cool <laughs> that was a bit corny benny <laughs> <laughs> i thought when i read that when he was talking to me i was like oh is that is that the actual reason or is it just how it worked out <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah no the kids um the kids love their sport they're both black belts in karate and um yeah they love their sports but yeah that's it's a team effort like it's a team from the whole four of us um it's a really uh, you know we we work it out as a team and our whole our whole life is a team effort we discuss everything that we do and when we're doing it and we um like this is probably the first year even rodeo wise that i've been taking riley down the road and it's just riley and i at the moment just doing the bushy rodeos to try and get her to um, the finals in the junior bar race in her age group and the breakaway. Um, so we've just been hooking down a little bit, took a girlfriend with me, Larissa, and her daughter. So we've been sort of going down sort of from January to now. Um, but it is it is a team effort in the fact that Slippery and Luke were staying home and helping work horses and, you know, keep the place running as well so that we can get down the road as well. So it's probably it is a really big team effort and it is a partnership and that's kind of who we are as the four of us. We, we just kind of always work it out together. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And like, like I said, I've been talking to him all week. I, I messaged him last night. He sent me a message last night with, um, with some good feedback that he's gotten from, from his episode. He took a screenshot of um, um, a couple of the comments and that he's like all positive so far, but I'm like, yeah, this has been great, you know, and I, I said, like, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on. Like, not only have you, you changed the way I think of things, but you've taken my pod, my show to another level and that. And he's like, no, nah, that was you. You're the one that you, you asked me on. You, you're the one that asked me the right questions. I'm like, yeah, but you, uh, you took that leap of faith. You know, it, you could have been like, yep, we'll do it. You know, same with yourself. And then I ask questions, you give me the, just the standard answers and not roll with it, but you are both you've he he rolled with it to another level and you've just followed suit you know and i said you didn't have to do that and you have and you know like he he wouldn't accept my thank you it was more no you've done this bud you know like he's i'm thanking him yeah. for help me and he's like no boosting me even more without even trying you know and it's the same same yeah, thing and with that's, you. that's who he is mm. yeah and that's why he He's won what he's won and that's why he's the person that he is today because he'll always boost someone else prior but he'll boost himself just as much do you know what i mean like, yeah he will always lift someone and he can lift himself just the same yeah yeah that's he's amazing cool. at that that fact like we we went to one rodeo then that it was at gravesend and it was just pouring with rain there was lightning a grandstand had flipped over it was just a crazy deal riley was a baby like she was only 
a few weeks old and my dad was dad had her in the car to keep her out of the rain and I still had to break away and um and we tell this story to a few people sometimes just in in positive mind power because I walked out in that arena and it was pouring couldn't see my calf nearly and we still had to rope and I said to Greg I said this is crazy like I, I just didn't want to be there and he was in the box pushing my calf and he just looked up and he said it's a bright sunny day PJ let's go rope and went one the breakaway. But if he hadn't have said that, I was still on that. Oh my God, I'm getting wet and this is horrible. But he can, and, and that's the best part about him. Like we will do that to each other, but he just flipped me straight around to go mm. win the breakaway. Like it was just crazy. And, but that's the type of person he is. No matter what is happening, he can always see a positive in it. And I love that for him. And I, I try and I always try very, very hard to be exactly the same. And even when I'm with my friends or giving lessons or with the children, even we always got to look at a positive of, of what's what's good or what we have that's good too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, that's that's all the things that I've written down as to uh, to get through what you've achieved and stuff like that. So now I want to ask you the, the questions that I send to everyone and I get the same same question. Does it have to be one? No, no, <laughs> if you've got a couple. I've had a, there's actually a, a few people <laughs> okay. have said the couple. Yeah, watched or been overseas to watch slip back. What's, what's your favourite radio? Okay. Well, I've got a couple because um, probably a Tunga Down Under Rodeo was the f- first um, first place I'd ever roped at um, as far as, you know, having that jackpot day with my KFC bag. Um, uh, and also because we were part of the committee there for a long while and organised saddles. And Greg and I both won a saddle there each for the all-round cowboy and all-round cowgirl. So it was my first saddle I'd ever won. So that was that's probably one of my favourite rodeos. Um, and probably like another one would be Mount Isa. I love Mount Isa. I won Mount Isa in 2012 off Hick. Um, so that that was, I just love that alley. <laughs> it's just like something I've never done before. And I just think that's pretty cool. So I do love Mount Isa. And watching, I love Calgary. I loved watching Slippery Ride at Calgary. Um, and so Calgary was, yeah, it's kind of one of those feel-good moments over overseas if that was it. But, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I love so many rodeos. There's so many different points at every rodeo that I can say I absolutely loved and we'd done well out or what have you. But if I'd had to sort of – well, I can't even pick one, but there's my three. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <coughs> What uh, what's a bit of advice that you give to someone that's and this is a perfect perfect question for you for both these next two, because of all your lessons and one on one. What's a piece of advice you give to someone that's just keen to start out? Someone that's keen to start out, I would just say to to seek as much information as you can. Um, find the people that you want to to aspire to be like. Um, find someone that makes sense and find someone that will drive you and push you out of your comfort zone and keep you traveling. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that I like here is, um, you know, we, we drive people to believe pretty much. So I would say find someone that believes in you, so find someone that, yeah, can keep pushing you, keep pushing you out of your comfort zone and show that you can do what you can do. But um, to start out, yeah, I would find someone that you respect and that you can possibly look up to. Um, and someone that is, uh, you know, is a good teacher. Yeah. Cool. What about if someone's stuck in a rut? Better advice to someone in a rut. I'll keep going. <laughs> I've been in lots of ruts, I think, um, throughout the years. And I 
I honestly believe you just got to, you got to rope through them. Um, I do like to, to try and, um, like if I'm in a rut, I try to train my mind. So I like to keep, um, whether I read books or whether I listen to podcasts like this or, um, anything like that, if you're in a rut, um, seek advice, um, and, and push, just keep pushing through because somewhere along the day, like we've all been through ruts, we've all been through those ups and the downs and, um, and the only way to get out of the, those downs and those ruts is to, to keep believing and keep pushing through. And I, my biggest thing is if, if you believe, you will succeed. Yeah. This is, this is one that we, uh, we have spoken about in that it's, it is a hard question for a lot of people. As hard as introducing yourself to the world, because this is worldwide, <laughs> who's your hero? Who's your idol? Well, and this is a hard one, and I've said this to you before, and I even said to Slippery, oh, I don't like this question. And and not that it's not because I don't want a hero. It's because it's a hard question to stabilise one thing. Mm. So hero-wise, hero um, and most people probably think you, you pick a roper that you idolise and stuff. I idolise, respect, admire so many competitors, whether they be – um, you know, Australian competitors and American competitors. There's so many people that I just have so much respect for and idolise. Hero-wise, um, I believe you've got to know, and I don't know if Slippery said this because we did speak about it. I don't know if it's very similar, but um, we, I believe you've got to know the person. Mm. So hero-wise, I, I like to think that a hero to me, like, I believe heroes are, you know, the people out there that are saving the world and, and people. So, you know, people that are for our country and the people that are saving, you know, someone right now in hospital. But uh, for me personally, a hero is someone that has helped me personally out. Um, so I'm going to put it down to my family. Yeah. My heroes are my family. And it's every aspect. It's my mum, my dad, my sister, my husband and my kids. Like um, my dad, as a young kid, would always push me on my horses. So he pushed me to be a better person um, on my, my horses and he pushed me to, to train, like to train my horses and push me out of my comfort zone on them. So, you know, at that, at that point, that's kind of a hero to me that someone that's just helped me so much along the way. And, um, and everyone has played a role in that. So my heroes would probably yeah, my dad and, and Slippery. Slippery is one of my biggest heroes of what he's done, how he acts, how he treats us, um, and what he does for us. So him as a family man, yeah, Slippery and my dad. That's cool. Yeah. Well, um, I do, I've been doing these a lot, and I want to keep going because they're pretty cool. You get some pretty cool answers. But it's some rapid fire. And I've made a point oh, in God. giving you the exact same questions as what I gave Slip. So you haven't actually done, Aww. you haven't listened to part two of Slip's episode yet. So you don't know what I've asked. No, I haven't. You know, um, <laughs> so what's your favorite movie? Okay. Favorite movie. Um, my favorite movie would be J.W. Coop. J.W. Coop. Yeah. It's something that no one's probably really heard about. No. Yeah. It's a really old movie about a bronc rider. Um, my dad used to watch it all the time and it was something that I watched growing up. All the time. So J.W. Coop or Lonesome Dove. That were probably my two sort of, um, as a kid, I was I wanted to just be a cowboy. <laughs> or maybe I should have been a boy. But I was just loved those movies, those old bunk riding movies. <laughs> yeah. Cool. J.W. Coop. 
What's your favourite part of Australia? Oh, geez. Everywhere. I love Matarinka Springs. Um, I don't know. I've, we've seen a lot of Australia, like, as far as rodeo-wise and travelling and stuff. And, um, yeah, Matarinka Springs is probably my favourite. Yep. Well, Slips was somewhere, so... Huh? <laughs> Where you live was his favourite part. <laughs> or Woolaman, right, right where we <laughs> live. Actually, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I actually was going to be corny and say my place, but then I thought, no, I'll think outside of the box. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, rodeo or jackpot, what do you prefer? Oh, that's a tough one, both. Mm. Um, I, love, I love both. I, I don't know if I have a... Okay, let's say... I'm going to say jackpot because of my children right now. Yep. Um, cool. Because I get to rope and do so much with the kids. Um, but I still love radio. Yeah. Yep. Still got that real fierce competitive side. Yeah, that is hard. I, and I love it. I love competition. I love being uh, put out of my comfort zone. And I just love the fire in your guts when you got to go and try and win something. Yeah. I do enjoy that. But I do love the jackpots being able to rope so many times with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool. And my family. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite? Who's your, sorry. Um, yeah, we'll go. Who's your favorite superhero? Oh gosh. Hell, I don't know. Maybe Wonder Woman. Cause she's got a, she has a lasso. She has a rope. <laughs> <laughs> not because of a body or a costume. Or like that. I don't know. Well, I'm not kind of into her body, Benny, but I just thought she was a cool woman that's got a rope. <laughs> so uh, we're following on from that one. But uh, if you could have any superpower, <laughs> like you as a person of any sort of superpower, what would it be? Well, Slippery did tell me this one and I, I had the same answer as him. So then I had to think a little bit because I wanted to change it up a little bit. But um, I love the fact that he said to for the fact the superpower of life, like to be able to give life back to somebody. And I think that's pretty powerful. Mm. Um, I think that would be awesome. I think I could probably say maybe to see the future. Yeah. That's I like to know what's coming. That's true. Yeah. A lot of people would want that one. That would be me. Yeah. 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 Um, Are you a morning or a night person? Um, These days, morning person. Yeah. What do you mean by these days? So before you were a night? <laughs> well, yeah, before I was a night person. I was a bit of a night owl um, for a long while. But, um, Back in the real hard yeah, partying I, days. Um, have, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I just was a bit of a night owl. I'd say up all night. And, um, I, yeah, both Craig and I were kind of very much like that. Um, but now I'm sort of a morning person. I'm up. I'm up and at them and kind of want to get my day started. So it's, it's a busier lifestyle at the moment, especially with the kids. So yeah, I'm, I'm a morning person now. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's, that's pretty well it. We got one more thing, but that, that, that wraps up everything I've got put together. I'm not even sure. I can't keep track of how long this has even gone for, to be honest with you. But, um, to wrap up every episode, I say why I call it what I've done. And I ask for the definition so the reason, and, I, and I, I repeat this every episode, but the reason why I call it the cashless cowboy is because at one <laughs> point or another, everyone's gotten down. So for you, it would be the cashless cowgirl. But for everyone's gotten down the road with no money in their <laughs> pocket, they've, they've, they've paid their entries, they've 
pay the diesel in the truck or the, the petrol in the car if you're the rust stop, whatever it is. They've gotten down the road and they've had they've ridden in the arena or they've walked in the arena or ridden whatever it will get if you're on the rough stock side, you're still riding into the arena. Um, but you've had to ride or walk out <laughs> of that arena with more money in your pocket than what you did coming in. So you've you've had to hump up, you've had to hustle. You know, what would be we'll do this in two for you because you you do help a lot of people and and you work with the mindset and stuff like that. So the first one I want I'll ask is what would you definition of hustle when you're trying to help somebody else? Um, when I'm trying to help somebody else, I guess my biggest thing I say to people is don't be afraid to miss. A lot of the time my hustle would be don't be scared. Don't be scared to let it like don't be scared to to miss that calf and um, don't be scared to let it roll. So I think a lot of people try to catch like for, I'm talking about roping right now. So for breakaway roping, um, a lot of people always are scared to, to miss a calf and scared not to catch that calf. And so my biggest thing or my hustle for someone that I'm trying to help um, would be to, you know, don't be afraid to miss. And what would go into someone like for, for me um, is believe. So yeah. I, I'm a big believer. Um, I want to back myself a hundred percent. So my hustle, you know, for myself or for someone that I want to help in the arena would, you know, obviously is don't be afraid to miss and, and to stand up and go for it and believe in what you're trying to achieve. Um, and that's go, the belief is very similar when I go. Um, I always have a bit of a plan. So I have a business plan and um, when I go to the arena or if I go to, to rope, it's um, my hustle is for me is I'm there for me. So once I walk in, I go and see what's been done all that type of thing. And then when I go into the arena, I'm there for me. So I'll go there to, um, to do what I need to do. And the hustle behind myself would be to believe in what I'm, I'm out there to achieve. So I back myself a hundred percent when I walk into the box, back my horse a hundred percent. And I pretty much go do what I, you know, try and do. And like Slippery and I always says, we, we back ourselves a hundred percent and then we let the, the rope and gods take over and whatever will be, will be, um, yeah. you know, you can't always, you can't always look after everything, you know, like especially when you're roping and you can, you know, you've got your horse right and you've got yourself right. And then your calf may not be right or something like that. But um, I will always back a hundred percent. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, that, that wraps up everything. That's it. I'm not sure if we've, we've gotten in cause I do have to now keep track of keep my times down because otherwise I've got to split them into two parts. Like I did with slips. I'm not sure if we're going to have to with this, but if I do, yeah. I do, you know, who cares? This has been awesome. Um, but <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. You are my first, well, we're still face to face cause we've got cameras on us, but you're my first actual <laughs> um, uh, interview, but not being in person. So this is, this is a learning curve for me. I'm going to have to edit out a little, little bit of the delays and stuff like that, but I'll make it work. This, is, this has been cool. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, Benny. It's been good. Yeah. Hopefully someone, someone out there gets something out of it. That's it, and that's why I do this. That is the number one reason why I do this podcast is to try and whether, whether we reach out to one person or whether we reach out to a 1,000 people, if we can – with something yeah. that we've spoken about in this, if we can help one person get down the road easier and, and, and back themselves with a bit more confidence in what they do, mission accomplished to me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's about. 
hundred percent. Awesome. Cool. Well, once again, thank you very much for coming on and I will get this edited and uploaded as soon as I can. So give you still time to listen to part two of your husband's before you listen to yours. You can't cheat. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thanks, Benny. Awesome. To you guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.